Sonic State.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 227, recording live today on Wednesday, the, what is it? Uh, Wednesday, the 27th of July. Wow, 227, 27th of July. How spooky is that? Uh, if you're not aware, we are streaming this live as a video source. Look, there's my participants there. But back to me while I do the intro. And uh, we have lots of people in the chat room. So welcome to you all. Uh, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4 p.m. UK ta- time. And you will see uh, the chat room and uh, a live stream and you'll be able to participate. In fact, the chat room, I, I think, has recently been christened uh, Massive Turbo Brain for the... Uh, the wisdom that it imparts when we're, or certainly I'm struggling with the information that I should have readily to hand. So thanks once again to all you chatties. And uh, maybe back to uh, thanks once again to all of our participants. We have two here. We, uh, you can see we have a nicely split screen. Um, there's Mr. Rich Hilton on the right-hand side. Uh, in sunny Connecticut, back with the CAD mic there. And uh, sporting a haircut by the looks of things. It's true. Every word of it. <laughs> How's things? I confess. Uh, things are good. Thank you. Things are good. I'm feeling well. It's, it could not be more gorgeous out there right now. There's a cool breeze blowing up the hill here. It's, it's gorgeous right now here mm-hmm. in Connecticut. I'm hoping it's going to stay that way for me because I'm going camping on Friday. Yay, in the camper van, Yay. finally. Uh, wow. Funnily enough, um, the car broke down on uh, Saturday. Uh, and it felt to me like the engine had blown up and I was in the real, I was thinking, oh God, I've just spent, I've just had a tow bar put on and everything. But fortunately it was just a airflow meter, which means that it was squirting petrol randomly into the engine, which is why it wouldn't work. So similar, similar symptoms. If anyone's got a Ford Mondeo, about 17 years old, that's what happens. Uh, anyway, Gaz, uh, Rich Hilton, uh, MySpace, Hiltonius, all of those uh, good things. And there we have also there uh, in the, in his his uh, Garrett studio in Bristol, uh, singer, songwriter, producer, general man about town, uh, the songsurgeon.co.uk or songsurgeon.co.uk, music producer, all those things. Uh, Gaz Williams, how are you, Gaz? Oh, yeah, really good, thank you. Uh, in the midst of decorating at the moment, so I'm sort of, uh, I'm just taking a little bit of time out. Um, my girlfriend's busy sanding away downstairs, so... Uh... <laughs> This um this is very important, you see, doing this podcast. Yeah. So um You're gonna make it last yeah. a little bit longer than it really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh decorator. Well you've got to keep the dust away yeah. from your precious equipment. So uh, I yeah. noticed you're using a different mic again this week. Are you still using the TC? Um I am plugged into the TC. I'm going to desperately try and avoid um doing silly things this week. Um <laughs> and uh whoops desperately not avoided then uh but i'm talking into my blue mouse microphone which is one of my principal vocal mics that i use when i'm doing production it's kind of roughly comparable to the cardioid mode on a u87 sort of very smooth microphone uh maybe a bit too smooth on some people's voices but um yeah yeah, sounds nice though have yeah, that, it has that nice. hypnotic feel. Are you, so are you processing it still? Or are you leaving? I'm in, I'm in bypass mode on the voice live. But actually, in the, on the voice live, in bypass mode, it does still have a little bit of processing going on. So, okay. Um, yeah, so a little bit. Cool. Well, um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and, mm. and hello to everybody in the chat room. We seem to have another bumper week. Right, what I'm going to try and do is start us off with... Let's see, I'd better check... 
Oh, yeah, this was cool. Well, I thought it was cool anyway. <laughs> uh, now, let's see if I can... Oh, that's not that. Not it, though. Not that, though. Hold on. It's not that. It's something else, which I have to queue up. Uh, that's the one. There it goes. Jesus Christ, that was weird. Um, <laughs> that was the uh, the face of a chap called Costia Rapoport, who we we'll, might hear from later if we get round to his other topic. And he's using something called Face Os, uh, which is an interesting pun on the terrible John Travolta movie, Face Off. But it's a piece of software that's actually um, be, been written by a chap called uh, Kyle McDonald. Uh, and he's written something that translates, takes the camera and maps it to oscillate OSC uh, controls, which you can then use to control other MIDI and OSC-savvy stuff, Ableton Live being one of them. And uh, I just thought, that was awesome. I mean, I'm not necessarily the most awesome representation of what you could possibly do with the technology, but, <laughs> but wow, isn't that a bit futuristic? Good? Can you imagine? Would you, how, how do you feel about just kind of raising your eyebrows to uh, to tweak something in the mix, Rich, or, you know, maybe you could get the boss to uh, to do it and then you could just read all these micro-movements and you know exactly, I'm sure you already know what he means from the slightest, but, but I mean, just some really interesting applications, maybe. Uh, it reminds me of Bugs Bunny, of course, where, you know, one eyebrow goes up and, uh, and the clarinets go doo-doo. <laughs> well, there's another application for you right there. I was fascinated by this, I'll admit. I don't and I, and I even tried to download it and get it to work, and it wouldn't recognize my face, which is probably for the best. <laughs> is that why you had um, a haircut? Just in case, just to just to try and make <laughs> right. But but then I showed it a picture of me with a lot of hair, and it recognized it immediately. No, um, <laughs> no. But but seriously, it didn't recognize the face, though. I didn't get to play with it. Uh, I wanted to see if I could assign a few controllers to uh, something and make and make funny faces at you and hold them down a cord and have tonal changes going on but it was not to be that's a um, shame isn't it that is a shame i would love to see that i would like to have uh, created it for you but it didn't work out that way and then i had to go eat breakfast um so uh yeah fascinating stuff really enjoyed it uh very tweaky very geeky very but but still very interesting and i i i have a lot of years invested in not giving a damn what I'm doing with my face when I'm playing music. And typically I'm sure I make some funny looking faces along the way. So I expect that I would have a hard time controlling <laughs> anything from my face at first, just because I'm so used to not thinking about it. It's the same way. Like my pedal foot's no good on a volume pedal. Cause I grew up pedaling a piano all my life. And I'm just, some guys are really great at volume pedal, and I'm not in that club. And I'll never be in that club. I just can't. It never, doesn't work for me very well. And uh, same kind of deal. It's just you grow, I grow up thinking of a certain appendage a certain way and or not. Uh, no, I see what you mean. I suppose you could, uh, you could if you were, uh, for instance, playing the wah-wah guitar, 
it would be very useful because I don't. We've, I'm sure we've brought this up before that occasionally people, when they play wild wild guitar, can't help but go. <laughs> when they're doing when they're when they're doing it, it's just one of those things you can't help it. But that's an interesting point. Uh, um, happy, who was it? Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Jim Jar Jimmy in the chat room says, "I always look dead from the neck up when I'm playing live," which may indeed be uh, a bit of a disadvantage, I suppose. But you'd have to be very micro movements for this. Gaz, I suspect this would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, especially because I've learned to do the solo eyebrow move, so I'd have that extra degree of control there. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought it was. I thought you had to use the kinetic system, and it was kind of. Oh, am I wrong about that? Yes, you Microsoft? are right. It, it is. It just happens. The guy, uh, Kyle McDonald, has always done. Has also done some work developing for the kinetic as well. But it's oh, this, this does not use the kinetic in any way. Just using the webcam. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting idea. Um, you know who they should get to demonstrate is it? What's the guy called who does Korg demonstrations? Um, Jack Hotop. Yeah, he's got he's got a very expressive face. Yeah, but again, I suspect that he might be one of those fellows like you, Rich, who is not necessarily uh, fully aware of what his face is doing. Although I've seen him do demos before, and he he does ham it up a bit because I think he's aware that he he makes some great playing faces. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I guess the thing is with these kind of things, we would kind of think of it in a sort of novelty way, or for making. And in like in the demonstration there of kind of quite extreme sounds. But if it was just sort of modulating kind of quite small amounts of uh, parameters, uh, you know, realistic amounts of parameters, sort of, um, then that could be quite interesting, couldn't it? You know, sort of, uh, and I've talked about it before in another podcast, uh, the Frank Zappa quote about put some eyebrows on it, you know, when you want to give a bit, that's what he would say if, if he wanted if he wanted his musicians to put a bit more expression, sort of you know, you know, put some eyebrows on it, so it would actually, uh, you know, make that a bit more of a reality. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think especially eyebrows is quite interesting because they are a very expressive part of our faces, aren't they? Um, I know David Attenborough has been fascinated by eyebrows. Um, <laughs> well, conventional wisdom says that eyebrows are there just to sort of prevent sweat and rain going into your eyes. And he, he's always disputed that. He, thought, he thinks that they're a big part of communication. Uh, anyway, this, this is a sort of deviation of the story there. But, um, you know, I, I certainly think the eyebrow, a, a way of, like, using your eyebrows... <laughs> It's a really cool idea. I like, so the, I like that... the I like the way that it implies intent, and I think intent in music is quite a kind of powerful uh, uh, thing, particularly when it comes down to sort of stage presence, that sort of thing. Um, I like the I, I like the idea of what you're saying though about the about a lot of it being um, unintentional, because I think a lot of that expression is kind of you know um, if you were self conscious about it, it might make it kind of um a bit too obvious but if it was again if it was tracking very small very subtle sort of uh expressions you know and um quite interesting yeah another um, one from jim jar jimmy in the chat room uh roger moore jar won't be a possible uh <laughs> so i mean, I mean let, let's face it i mean the laser harp has gained an enormous amount of attraction as a visual image i mean can you imagine doing something with this where you actually project that image of your face onto a massive overhead screen while you change things. That'd be kind of quite a powerful um, visual visual image, wouldn't it, for, for, for live stuff? Although yeah. probably quite difficult to do with all of the lighting and what have you going on. 
about Jim Jar. Yeah, Jim Jar Jimmy's obviously full of them today. Uh, imagine the show gets cancelled because the drummer shaved off the guitarist's eyebrows, <laughs> <laughs> so he can no longer play the face os wah wah guitar. <laughs> That's funny. Nice, I like that. He's on form today, on fire, yeah. Jim Jar. Um, right. Um, so yeah, fun. That, 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 I found that uh, create digital music uh, where there's a, uh, an interview with Carl uh, McDonald on the face tracking, and uh, that that was Costio Rappaport on uh, Vim, Vimeo, where I found, and he also did something a little bit uh, a bit later on, uh, which we may or may not get to. Oh, I'm having mouse mouse control issues. Right. Well, while we're talking about futuristic stuff, I suppose we could uh, now go and have a look at uh, something else, which I thought was particularly awesome as well. I'm tempted to play all of this just because it's so fascinating. <laughs> it looks so brilliant. So the beginning of the project, I actually mistakenly sent an email, and the next thing you know, I was getting a call from Ammon's manager asking if I was interested in building a set for his tour, which, of course, I was completely blown away that that opportunity was placed there and jumped on it. He called me and he said he had an opportunity to work on a Amon Tobin stage and he asked if I wanted to design it. So I designed a proposal and here we are. There's one shot in particular that I want you to see, which is obviously no good if you're listening only to the podcast and not ever going to watch the video, but hey, it's coming up. It's just this sort of amazing, fiery, glowing thing. There it is. Anyway, I won't uh, I won't bore you with the entire video, but I just happened to spot that the other day. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, that's uh, Amon Tobin, who has an album out called uh, ISAM. I don't know Isam Is I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, I, I think I put a news item up about it yesterday because I discovered it while I was looking for topics uh, for the show. And uh, as I also said, I don't think it's an homage to a MySQL database storage table type. I'm pretty sure it's got some other meaning. But what? An amazing. I mean, I think um, as what they said is uh, he, he's stepping. Uh, Toby was stepping away from previous DJ-centric performances and producing a large-scale live audio-visual experience to select cities around the world. Uh, that was designed in conjunction with Blast House, V Squared Labs, Vitus, Vita Motus Design, and Leviathan, and others. And it just struck me as a really amazing set. And they ha- there's another video where they are interviewing people after they've seen it, and they're all just going, "It sort of blew my mind. It was amazing." And uh, I just thought. Do you think that's the future for these kind of, ultimately, because electronic music that's made in that way, you know, which is incredibly uh, uh, micro-tweaked and is a guy with a laptop checking his email kind of thing, that's the way to go. And obviously, this thing just looks like the pinnacle of that kind of stuff. Did you get a chance to see it, guys? I see you nodding there, uh, Gaz. Uh, yeah, have you seen it? Because I immediately no, thought, where can I no. see this? I'm going to buy a ticket. Yeah, but, but the next one is in the Netherlands in August, which I don't think I'm going to get away for. And then it's, back, then it's touring in the States after that. So uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to go and see it. Apparently, as he had in the chat room, has seen it, and he said it completely blew him away. But uh, 
Amazing. I know, Rich. I mean, I'm guessing you're not, you know, I know you're not necessarily up for going to see sort of thunderously loud electronic music gigs, but uh, would you be tempted to go and see this? Absolutely. I was blown away by this thing. I couldn't, from design to conception, from conception to design to, to realization, it was absolutely amazing to me. I was blown away. Yeah, I'd go see this thing. It's, and I've noticed this in this case and in certain other cases that over the last few years, what I see, and of course, I don't go to many, but based on all the video I see, um, what I see really advancing right now is staging technology. Uh, we had for a while house system technology, particularly once the line array became ubiquitous and everybody had one. Uh, but now that everybody's got one, and that's been the case for five or 10 years now. The, the most stunning advances I see in this presentation medium are in the staging technologies. And this completely and utterly blew me away. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of the last Muse tour, but they had a, a tremendous stage, an incredible stage design. U2 tends to travel with incredible stage designs. And uh, it's just right now that seems to be the way forward, and in particular with this kind of presentation, as you say, with a guy who looks like he's checking his email all through the concert, um, you know, basically staring into a laptop and manipulating some small number of tabletop controllers, given the overall dearth of things to be looking at, having the staging take over that, hey, look at me part of the presentation is really quite uh, clever and uh, a good use of the overall you know, medium, I think. And, it's interesting, uh, really it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it removes the ego part. I mean, he's there in one of, in a square, kind of almost in this like cocoon thing. You can see him, it's almost like he's sort of trapped inside this sort of cellophane block. It's quite an interesting kind of concept, but it's, it, it's less about, it, it just does, lets the music do the talk. I mean, I'm not a massive, massive fan of his, but I imagine the combination of those two things are going to burn themselves fairly hard yeah. into your cortex when you see that kind of stuff. I was utterly unfamiliar with him until I saw this video this morning, and I was blown away. Yeah, I'd go. Yeah. And anybody who knows me well knows what a statement that is. <laughs> well, wow, cool. And, uh, he's playing at a couple <laughs> yeah. of uh, tournament, um, t tournaments, a couple of festivals. Uh, certainly, there's, I think there's one in Poland and one in Netherlands. Gaz, have you, are you aware of Eamon Tobin's word? I mean, did you know about this? I mean, I can't believe I didn't, I didn't heard about it. I'd seen the video footage of this a while back, uh, but I'd only seen it as a sort of from an audience perspective. So I, I didn't actually, I couldn't quite work out from watching the video whether it was actually a 3D structure. And then that's a great video, isn't it? Because you can actually see the, the physicality of it. And the one bit of the video I really liked was when they talked about how it actually can all fit together. Yeah. Shipping sort of... Uh, Within six, um, within six inches of the largest size you can fit in a container. Because presumably, because <laughs> it's all boxes, it all fits yeah, together yeah. in a car. That's the other yeah, thing. I mean, it's just sort yeah, of brilliantly all, designed. It all sort yeah, of... Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's interesting, coming back to an earlier point there, that um, I remember in the early 90s, um, when the in the UK and dance music was just dominating around 1991, 1992, and... Um, uh, and people would say to me, you know, oh, yeah, man, it's not about the musician. It's about each other. It's about looking at it's not about looking at the stage. It's about dancing and looking at each other. And, you know, and but then within a sort of a year or two of that, that's when the kind of superstar DJ started coming out and everyone was then not looking at each other, but looking at the stage and, you know, 
deathly, deathly dull, you know. <laughs> so, um, and, see, it's and, it's and, nice to see that. I mean, I can't imagine what this must have cost to produce. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean I'm not entirely clear where Amon Tobin has come from in terms of, you know, how big he's been able to oh, he, be. He's be huge to... in, 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 in continental Europe, isn't he? He is, a, he is one of the top top electronic artists really um and uh and electronic music is still a huge huge draw right across europe um well it's interesting because it's like an old school multimedia art event i mean but yeah. but done on a kind of massive st- i don't know how big a gig it will will handle but i mean it looks like it's going to be well, fairly large scale following on from what you're saying about the multimedia event uh what i really really liked about when i was watching it was just the the sheer amount of different artistry and the different sort of presentations that they were running across those cubes. You know, there was all kinds of styles and, uh, and I thought that was amazing. You know, it's just, so obviously there's been a, an enormous amount of people working and contributing onto it. And, uh, you know, and I really like that when the art and the music is kind of really hand in hand there and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be kind of, um, uh, promoting the, artists as the, the visual yeah. artists as much they've as got the such a great team. i mean they've obviously got a really mm. good team there haven't they i mean that's the thing that's, and, and full of great ideas i mean the other thing that's quite interesting about it is it pushes the boundaries of technology because there, there's one part i'm not sure if it's in that video or another video where they're talking about they figured out a way to align the projector properly onto the surface so that everything is absolutely pinpoint to all the edges so that the imagery and the three-dimensional aspect of it marry perfectly because, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of there, there was a whole phase of things. I think it sort of came as this uh, German artistic collective who do things by projecting onto buildings, have three-dimensional lighting that, that works with the dimensions of the building to create really amazing reliefs and uses the shadow and stuff to great effect. And I think one really cool thing as well, though, just regarding the Tobin show, is that I can't really imagine any other music working as well in that context, you know, so rock music or I don't know, um, or other musics, it's just not going to be so applicable, is it? So, I mean, it's actually a perfect medium for that kind of electronic music. It's so busy and it's so many textures and layers going on. It, it, you know, it, it's an ideal marriage, really, isn't it? I guess so, because it doesn't have a, a song narrative or anything to work to, does it? Yeah, that's right. It really impressed with their ability to break the structure up into individual faces of cubes or individual cubes or into you know various quadrants of the thing or the entire thing is one large canvas and given the incredible range of things that it seemed that they were doing like that and the ability to project what the guy in the center cube that's work that's doing the work is doing as well then i would say that it actually can serve to focus more and more effective attention on what that person is doing with the controllers and with the computer rather than distract from it. In other words, if you were to project both his actions and what the screen was showing while he was working as part of that and be able to devolve that and move it around and do things with it as part of the presentation, it could actually serve to enhance the viewer's visual attention towards that person rather than watching a static dj who's manipulating yeah, those things no that sounds my camera I, just I, moved a bit i was also thinking as well i mean this might be a terrible thing to say but um you know it's quite nice to see an electronic artist putting this much money into it you know rather than into their pocket or up their nose you know sort of um 
you know, I get a feeling that a lot, I get a feeling that a lot of electronic artists just sort of, you know, especially taking the money and running sort of thing, you know, and doing very little. Well, I guess they're not necessarily all in control of the venue, whereas uh, Amon Tobin here uh, clearly is. But uh, yeah, really good stuff and something I would love to uh, actually go and experience. And there's still a load of shows left. So who knows if I find myself at a loose end and in one of those cities and able to get a ticket, I might actually try and get along. There are also some really good videos on uh, YouTube Vimeo of uh, the creation of sounds. Uh, he's a big user of the Harkin Continuum and lots of granular stuff. And he's done some, some really interesting sound design videos that Amon Tobin's done. That, you know, he's not shy in sort of showing people how he puts all the stuff together behind the scenes. So a very interesting article. I think I'm going to dig a bit deeper and see what we can find uh, about him because uh, some, some, some great stuff going on there. Right, um, I guess, gosh, gosh we've got... Uh, um, it might be time to say... Um, Hello and welcome to our advertisers. Uh, the first, I say advertisers because there is, in fact, more than one. Let me see if I can get this. So we'll start with Yamaha. I uh, just want to say thank you very much to Yamaha for continuing to sponsor the podcast. Uh, obviously, what you're seeing here, if you're watching the video, is a beautiful, sexy uh, flyover of the N12 hybrid mixer. This is an analog console. 12-channel analog console with FireWire audio interface, 24-bit 96K. Uh, it's got characterized N-mic preamps, which uh, those regular listeners of the show will know that uh, PJ heartily recommends. Um, they've got them also in some Steinberg interfaces, and he says they sound really good when matched up against things costing more money. So uh, there's a plus. Sweet spot morphing compressor on every channel. Uh, advanced integration with Cubase, if that's what you use. High-Z input for direct guitar or bass recording. Wide-range musical EQ, high-resolution Rev X reverb. Uh, fully integrated integrated pro-level monitoring suite, aux sends for artist monitoring, dry or wet monitoring control, lots of things. So what we suggest is uh, if you get along to uh, yamahasynth.com or yamahadownload.com, check out the Pulse stores in the UK, see whether they've uh, there's one near you. Go in and s- listen to the mixer, check out the sound of it, check, plug something in, run some music, check out the uh, compressors, see how it fits in and how the sound works for you. And similarly in the US, uh, try and do the same. Obviously, some of the larger retailers will stock these and you can go in and try them out. And um, just listen. Uh, because that's the only way you're really going to be able to evaluate it. Obviously, uh, if you were just to buy something on the basis of this lovely video that we shot, then uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take responsibility for any of your purchases. But please do try them out. And we once again thank Yamaha for the continued sponsorship of the show. Very much appreciated. Right. Um, and so, let's see what's next. Uh, I'm tr- I think actually we should probably go to Apple Lion, really, because it's such a big issue. I mean, there's uh, obviously, as we know, there's been a... A brand new operating system uh, from Apple OS X 10.7, codenamed Lion. And uh, from an audio point of view, it appears that there might be one or two uh, compatibility issues, shall we say. I've got uh, a screenshot here. Uh, there's a Sweetwater have put uh, online a fairly comprehensive list of applications that work or don't work and just tell you what is compatible. Also, uh, Synthtopia has done <laughs> a rather amusingly titled Don't Go Upgrade Your Music Computer to OX Line or Kitties Will Suffer post, which uh, mm-hmm. uh, does then also say that you know there are lots of basically non-certified. I mean, Pro Tools isn't. Uh, Ableton's not yet. Uh, there's GarageBand obviously should work. Uh, Logic Pro works. I mean, there's a whole bunch of issues. But not only that, there are other... Other points, and it just raises a kind of question as to you know when I'm sure we've done that. We've we've been through a major upgrade before, I think, on the show, and went through it. I know, Rich, you've actually gone to Lion. Are you finding that it's um, doing what you need, or are you not putting it anywhere near your audio stuff? All of the above. Uh, All of what you just said is true. Um, 
I I was part of their development seed program. I guess I can say that now without the Apple police showing up at my door. Um, and so I've been running it for months on my laptop, which was not a mission critical machine. And I never expected to really need to use it for anything. And the funny thing is right after I installed Lion, I found myself going back out on the road with Sheik and needing to use my laptop for things. And so I ended up testing it both. I didn't need to do any specific audio, but I did need to lo load an old MIDI librarian program that thank goodness loaded and ported my sounds just fine. But I did set about immediately to test to see what would break when you tried running it in Lion. And uh, most things, most DAW based things did. Um, Logic ran and still does. GarageBand runs. Uh, I've read people saying that Ableton will run, but I've also seen Ableton say, don't do it. So I take Ableton's word on that. And uh, Pro Tools doesn't even launch and won't install, I don't think. And uh, so um, for DAW work, I'm very conservative about when I bump up the OS, but I guess I'm not as conservative as some because some people here have apparently just upgraded to Snow Leopard. But as That's soon me. as <laughs> yeah, I know that. But uh, as soon as my preferred DAW stuff, as soon as everything that I feel I need to run is authorized for an OS, I'm figuring I got to go there because I'm going to end up there anyway. I'm not going to like plant a flag and in the sand at any point in this software world and say, this is where I'm standing for the rest of my day. That's not going to happen. So, I mean, and then, you know, we can get down to the specifics of what's different operationally and what's different under the hood that would lead it to be this way, where uh, as a new release, it doesn't inherently support all of that stuff that was written for the last OS. I suspect that there's a lot more 64-bit behavior in this OS and a lot more uh, stuff to accommodate newer hardware configurations and such. And uh, and operationally, it is a bit different. They've uh, kind of replaced a few things with this mission control on the desktop, and they've got a new thing called Launchpad that will sort of combines your dock and your apps folder into something that looks like the screen on your iPad. And you can build folders into it and all that, just like on the iPad. And it doesn't recall the folders, just like on the iPad. And uh, it, they've basically incorporated iPad OS technology into the desktop system. They've uh, used a lot of swiping uh, trackpad technology in the operation of the OS. And uh, it, they've uh, taken away one of my favorite spaces features, which was the ability to run three-dimensional spaces, both horizontally and vertically, because I tend to run a grid of six. Three and three over three, and you can no longer put anything over anything. It's all side by side now. Oh, that's annoying. And I miss the fact that I could go uh, three over three. I like I like that grid, and I would I might even have gone to a third three and made it a cube or something, you know, or a square. <laughs> square. But it, had I ever needed to, but I, I I'm one of those wacky guys who's been using spaces all along. I've developed a workflow around these six spaces, and now I'm going to have to change that workflow around. That's annoying. Thing. That is annoying. Uh, Happy Fun Team in the chat room says, I'm going to take the plunge and go with Windows 95 soon. It's probably time. <laughs> I think that's a, a, a... I'd just like to explain. The reason I've only just upgraded to Snow Leopard is twofold. One, because uh, for a long time, I run a lot of the Sonic State stuff here, including development systems, web development systems on this laptop. So I, I can't afford just to junk it. It's not possible. It's you know, I, I, it has to keep keep going because there are a lot of things on there that I need to use on a daily basis, uh, particularly sort of obscure coding and you know, development system, what have you. 
Uh, the other reason is uh, I've got the uh, the Universal Audio Satellite Quad in for review, and it won't run on anything other than Snow Leopard. So, so that was the thing. But all I did is I just cloned the drive and installed it on another drive, so that I had, you know, I could just put the other one back in if it didn't work. So, I just want to say that now. Snark Life 2 in the chat room says, uh, I'm probably, I, I'm personally worried that more work does, wasn't done with the music tech community prior to launch. doesn't bode at all well for Logic, and that may well be so. And there are issues. I mean, native instruments appear to be having trouble. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff that isn't certified yet, and that's kind of uh, a little bit worrying. But then, you know, if you don't actually need this stuff, then there's no problem up, up there's no need to upgrade, apart from maybe the 64-bit stuff. Uh, Gaz, have you been running it at all? Um, I've, yeah, I went, uh, on my, my laptop, I've done it, but on my studio machine, I haven't. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of wait it out a little bit with my studio. But um, yeah, there's a few things. Uh, I remember Rich telling me before about it. Um, they're trying to make it much more like the iPad and iPod kind of way. So the the trackpad, the way the trackpad works is different in that you sort of um, uh, push up it's the it's the opposite way to what we're used to uh but it's the same way as the i the ipad and the iphone so they, they you know and, and in fact it's a big concerted effort from apple to try and make their computers and sort of um mobile devices uh very very similar now there's a few things that i've noticed that i've not been very happy with um my macbook pro is a uh, late 2008 model that's got um, a Core 2 Duo 2.4 processor. On Lion, it's notably sluggish compared to what it was like on Snow Leopard, and that's a big disappointment. Certainly scrolling things, is just it just feels like that they've decided to make my generation machine obsolete. It always happens, doesn't it? You know, it was working really nice under Snow Leopard, so I'm sort of thinking, oh, have I made a mistake with this machine? Uh, so that's one thing that sort of is, is a little bit of a bugbear of mine. I'm sure that anything running i5s, i7s, etc., are going to be fine with it. But um, I would sort of advise a bit of caution if you're running Corti Duo. Sort of, um... Which is what I'm doing. I know, Rich, oh. you, were, you were looking a little bit uh, perplexed at well, that stage. I just looked over at my MacBook, which is a 2008 model MacBook, 2.4 yeah. gigahertz Intel Core 2 Duo. And right. I did not notice any speed difference it's for me it's just in the scrolling it's just feels a little it's just dragging a little bit mind you i'm not running it i'm running it with the graphics card on the um the one that you can run it with two different kind of graphics cards. Uh, so, so you're I'm running, running it on the, the, the actually i might swap it then to the uh to the big the, i mean the i can criticize things one. about the os but i just didn't have that experience that's why i was okay. like funny about it well yeah, i mean but, uh, the, it's now, definite, how many, definite in my case. Is it a RAM issue? I mean, I've got four gig of RAM in this thing. You got uh, four, four, gig. Gig on, four gig on this yeah, one, too. Right, right. We've got I, basically identical <laughs> machines and different which, experience. <laughs> which air graphics card are you, are you using on it, though? You know, this like... I don't the, know. There's the sort know. of the battery-saving one, I'll and then there's you. the kind of full-speed one. Well, uh, I mean, the one, thing that I'm, the one thing that I'm kind of a little bit worried about is this sort of unification of everything i mean you know i actually yeah. want my eight core mac pro to be technically 
able to do all sorts of complicated things. I don't want it dumbed down to a sort of series of right. gestures. You know, I want all of this stuff to happen. And the yeah. one thing that worries me a little bit is this unification situation mm -hmm. where we're also getting then our stuff will come through the App Store because that's the only way we're going to be able to get our software kind of, that's what Apple really wants. And I really don't want that to happen because there's they, a lot of things that I've got that yeah. they probably wouldn't approve in the App Store. And I'd... No, no, I don't think it's the case that you can no longer download through an HTML browser, you know, other people's software. I mean, the, the App Store is a sort of obvious paradigm that they'd started at the end of Snow Leopard that says, we like the way we're making money in the iTunes Store. We want to extend that into our home computing market. And it's a perfectly sensible way to go, given how successful they are at selling things through the iTunes Store. Yeah, but it, it is quite good for the end user as well with updates okay. and everything and just kind of unifying all that into one place, I suppose. One thing I'm a little bit, unsure of at the moment though is um you've lost a certain amount of um control over your hard disk haven't you now they've kind of um you can't see the root level without using a slightly archaic key command so you can't look at the basic library you can only uh you know the um there's usually yeah there's of... usually a command line thing that says you know show hidden files and you have to i've had to do that on my mac at command line it's... level They've yeah. taken the library folder at the user level mm -hmm. and hidden it. But if you option click go on the desktop rather than just click on it, which is one of their main menu directory places, uh, it shows you the user uh, library folder. And uh, it's still there. It's just they're That's not still there. It, and, and there's and probably is, a way to make it, make it visible. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Okay. Also, is, Nick, I think you can disable the swipe gestures to the extent that you want or use them or not. You. I mean, I haven't yeah. actually been – my trackpad doesn't support uh, multi-touch gestures on the laptop, and I have yet I have a, I have a trackpad sitting right here that I have yet to link up to the thing to play around with it. But uh, there you go. Everybody's got one. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I do want to play with – I want to see how I get on with operating the OS – from mm. multi-touch gestures. Mm. I want to see if it feels like, like, for example, I find myself quite inadvertently, occasionally changing my desktop icon sizes with this damn trackpad. It, there is, and again, my hands are trained in certain ways and I have to learn new gestural behaviors to get these things to work. But uh, I think you can disable them mostly. Well, I mean, the thing that worries me a little bit, I suppose, is that, you know, the the it seems to be designed for content consumption you know it's all moving in that direction and i'm just worried that as producers of stuff we're going to get marginalized and our software is going to get more expensive again kind of like in the old days when you had to have a silicon graphics machine and soft image and all that stuff to do kind of any meaning any meaningful kind of visual work <laughs> and in the same the way app. that you know that, that it used to be the way with audio as well and now it's sort of come up, just, that just worries me so, a little bit the app store though is seeing prices going in the other direction though isn't it i mean yeah. um final cut pro now has just come out on the app store for significantly cheaper than it used to be um apps, yeah but it's think... crap by all accounts any, if you <laughs> oh, talk to it? any any video professionals oh i don't know about that well uh, most video professionals it's different yeah but it's different. But, but, but that this is the rub you see most video professionals uh have you know have a set of features that they use in final cut pro which is really critical to their workflows. And the thing is, with the introduction of Final Cut Pro X, 
the previous versions are being kind of offered. They're not going to be developed any further. This is what I've been told. I was talking to a guy who is a trainer for this, and he was saying that's the real worry. So now this this brilliant you know system that lots of people use for producing stuff could be the same for Logic. You know, there might we might see something else coming along here, which basically removes a bunch of features to make it simpler for the ma- more people to use, but actually then makes it really hard for people who you know do it for a living. What are they supposed to do? Because mm-hmm. you can't import Final Cut Pro documents into Final Cut Pro X with all of the features. There's all sorts of issues like that, which are actually very major to a lot of uh, I do, people. I do suspect Logic is going to go a similar way, you know. I do but getting, getting back to the point about the cost with Logic, for example, as Gaz just brought up, the last time we discussed Logic, we were all like blown away by the sheer amount of stuff they're giving you now for 500 bucks. Yeah, that's now. But then next time, yeah, we'll probably get a similar amount of stuff as but in samples. But what a, in that direction. But what about the what functions, the features? I think that there's going to be a loss. You know, we're going to lose the environment. Why wouldn't they? You know, we're going to lose a lot of things in logic, I think. But anyway, that's, you know, and, and I think that's, that's the danger. And I, th- and I think it's not necessarily an Apple thing. Apple are v- vanguarding, you know, in a certain OS thing. You know, previews of Windows 8, etc. cetera, are, are going in the same direction. It's this sort of... Uh, unification of stuff that is great for consumer, but not necessarily so great for the producer and the content creator, which is going to require very specific set of software software tools to be written, perhaps again, to bring this functionality back to them, which is going to make it niche, which is going to, I think is going to end up being more expensive. That's my personal theory anyway. I may be wrong, of course. <laughs> But but anyway, um, so there are issues. So, I mean, generally, would we say that generally, if you're running an audio production system, perhaps don't upgrade right now unless you absolutely, absolutely have to or unless there's a way for you to just go straight back to the way it was uh, if it doesn't work out? What do you think, guys? No? Yay Ableton, or nay? Oh, oh eek. Ableton Live is running perfectly for me under Lion. Um, cool. So ah, okay. that sort of that seems I hasn't hasn't crashed, which is pretty amazing for Ableton Live version eight. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, Reaper, which is my door of choice, main yeah. one door of choice, uh, initially had a problem with the actions window, which would immediately crash. But they were very quick; they fixed that very quickly. Uh, the Reaper dudes did. Um, Plus one from Reaper in the chat room from Happy Fun Team and from me. I use it to edit for the podcast every week, as I've said before. Yeah. Great so, I mean, that seems so. Those seem to be pretty good. No, those are the only two that I've checked with it and are both running fine. <sighs> I haven't checked the native instruments stuff. Is it the native instruments in standalone that's a problem then? Uh, I've, I've not done, I don't run any of it really. So, it's hard for right. me to say. Let's have a look. Native instruments. Uh, native they're, instruments. They're uh, refrain from updating to Mac OS 10.7 for the time being. Uh, battery 3.2.2 has been qualified, um, but that's it for now, apparently. So, excuse me. You can have to excuse me a minute. I've just heard an enormous crash outside my window. I just okay. Just a little look. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I well, yeah, I heard something. I wasn't sure whether where it was. I thought it was somewhere else. Uh, anyway, um, so generally, we want to be a bit careful about it. So, um, but at this point, I would like to introduce yet another sponsor, uh, and I we want to say. Thank you very much to Mac Pro Video. Uh, we've actually managed to grab hold of a couple of deals whereby if you uh, go through to them and you sign up for any of their tutorials, either 
downloads or uh, I think the downloads you can get 20% by coming through us. Uh, they've got tutorials on many of the major doors. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, Pro Tools, Cubase, Reason. They've also got plugins as well uh, in the form, and there's Sibelius there as well. They've also got plugins in the form of Isotope and Melodyne, lots of tutorials there. I think there's over 250 or more tutorials. Uh, what I say, Logic, Pro Tools, Cubase, Reason, Ableton Live, Melodyne, Isotope, Stutter Edit, Mainstage, Native Instrument Contact, Redmatica, Keymap, Omnisphere, and Trillion. There's a whole range of other tutorials on graphics and video, Adobe Creative Suite, After Effects, and more. Uh, you can buy through us and save an extra 20%. Uh, if you visit sonicstate.com forward slash MPV, that will bounce you over there and give them all the tracking they need to, to extend that deal to you. So uh, once again, we thank uh, Mac Pro Video for getting involved in the podcast, and then we hope that we can save you guys some money because again I, I was talking to pj when he came to bath and he was saying that uh when he's got his new version of cubase he just downloaded something from them and it was very quick for him to just see how to do the basic stuff without having to read the manual and go through the whole thing so um you know try it out see if you think i think there's some reasonably priced stuff there um so yes save 20 percent. and um what can i say macprovideo.com uh, sonicstate.com forward slash mpv gen xs1 XS1000 in software? Anyone? Ah, uh, good to see some knob caps missing from the uh, original gen there. Right, I won't play the whole thing, but uh, that was from synthmagic.co.uk. I've created a Synth XS1000 called the XS3000, available for £19.95 for the complete system. I'm not sure how many gigabytes of samples there are. It's a contact-based instrument. Um, and as far as I know, and this has happened in a couple of things recently, they're not actually working in the player. They're only working in the... Uh, if you own a full version of Contact 4.2.2, and there's a couple other things. Some of the Hollow Sun stuff works in that way. I wonder why that is. I mean, first of all, Gen SX-1000, I, I don't know if you're aware, Gaz, but it was a very Bristol synth. I know quite a lot of people in Bristol had a Gen SX-1000, and I don't know why. Uh, it's Italian, right. isn't it? I'm not sure exact year it came out, 1980s, yeah. I think. They were quite popular in South Wales as well. I, I knew lots of people with them. Um. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the funk. 80s, they used it. They, they were used a lot in the jazz funk, sort of acid jazz revival for sort of cheesy lead lines. As far as I remember, I'm mm. not sure what the uh, oscillators. I did actually see one at the uh, synth DIY meeting in Cambridge a few years ago, and had a really good chance to listen to it. And it did sound actually really good. There was a guy there. I've forgotten his name. Is Neil? I think he was. Who was um, restoring it and modding it and making it do a lot of things that it wasn't supposed to. And uh, Rich, you're looking very puzzled there. You uh, have you downloaded this? Did it? Did... Yes. Oh, you have. I'm looking straight at it, playing it. Oh, cool. What made you? Uh, what made you take the plunge? Uh, I liked it. That'd ah, be good. Excellent. So you presumably got a native oh, instrument. Not so sure about that reverb, but yeah. Uh, pardon me. You've you've yeah, got, got you've got the reactor, so it's no problem yeah, for you. I've got all the native. I got it now. So we can attribute one sale at least to the to the show. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I heard it and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And what is it? It costs like 30 bucks or something. It, it, you know, what is it? 15 pounds? 20 pounds? Yeah, 20 quid. UK? I mean, it, it's, you know, doesn't cost much. Sounds pretty good. Why not? Did the gen make it over to the States very much? I don't, I, I, I think it was, was it more I've never of a seen you, one? You've never seen one? I've never seen one. It looks I was like, completely unfamiliar with the thing on which this is modeled, but I thought this thing was pretty cool. Uh, let me see. I'll just throw up a picture of the Gen here so you can you can have a look and see what it looks like. Uh, it, it's, it almost looks like one of those Maplin kit synths. It's got that kind of uh, yeah. smarty top buttons and uh, very, very yeah, sort of simple and basic, wasn't it? But, I saw pictures of it, yeah. I've got quite a funny story of, of a Gen. Um, a few years back, um, I was... Uh, doing the sound at this festival and there was these guys from London and they were doing this kind of improvised music and these two guys other guys came up to me and said oh is there any chance we can um you know we've got our synths and um can we can we join in you know so I went and talked to these other guys and they were like kind of heavy dudes you know sort of real muso types from London and I said oh there's these guys they got they got analog synths you know they're gonna they want to see if they can sort of sit in and just you know do some kind of you know, textures and ambient things. And, and the guys are like, yeah, okay, cool. Okay. You know, and they were, but they were skeptical. Um, <laughs> and these two guys, one guy had a, a Korg MS-10 and the other guy had the Gen SX-1000 and um, they sort of set about plugging in. But like these guys were absolutely, ah, they were really hopeless. And like, <laughs> I think that these kind of, the bass player who was like the kind of, like the, the band leader and he was a very kind of, very serious kind of guy. Um, he said he sort of broke he, he uh the guys were trying to plug in whilst the other guys were playing and then so he, so he just did like a, a musical breakdown and left the two synth guys to sort of fill in this kind of <laughs> he just went beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny um yeah sorry <laughs> Blimey. I, I'm sure their yeah. fingers were sweating. That's the sort of thing I have. An, that's the sort of thing I have nightmares about. I had a nightmare the other day. Well, it wasn't the other day. It was a few months ago. I think I was. I think it was just before I had the flu that I was on. I was at a Portis Head gig, and because I know Aid, and I knew the keyboard player, they said, uh, "Johnny's um, Johnny's broken his wrist or something. You'll have to. Can you fill in?" And I found myself on, you know, in a stadium gig being, and I can't play keyboards. I don't know what the hell I was thinking in my subconscious about that. But yeah, it was a very uncomfortable feeling, even though it was um, completely <laughs> fabricated in my own mind. So I can only imagine what they must have been scarred for life. But did Jen make anything else? I don't know if they did. That's the only one I can think of. Chat room? Can we, can we engage massive turbo chat room brain? Is there Good any God. other Jen? SX2000. Oh, SX2000, apparently. I Now, I didn't know that. Uh, thank you, Kiwi Steve. Most things you think are fabricated in your own mind. Well, that's probably true. Um, twice as bad, says Kent in the chat room. KSR80 there. Uh, but yes, uh, a lot of fun. I'm glad we got, we got one sale there. But it's, uh, I wonder, do, does anyone know why this is happening? That there are less and less of these kind of packaged things. Is there some kind of highness hoops you have to jump through to get uh, a bundled, free, uh, compiled kind of contact free player now these days or is it just you have to hit a certain threshold and so people just don't bother because they have to pay money up front or something i don't know okay uh failed muso who uh, we haven't seen in the chat room for some time hello failed rob i think it is welcome <laughs> uh and i make certain demands of library developers to get their stuff to work on the player as far as i know so maybe that's that's the reason so if you kind of this does dovetail nicely into another of our topics however which also runs in k4 
What was that? Or am Rich? I mistaken? Am I mistaken about this having been a topic? Did I just run across this myself this morning? Ah, uh, no, out? that's yeah, that's the. I've just put a news Isn't item that... up today. No, that's not. Uh, that's not in oh, the topic that's not list. In the topic list. It's not in the topic I'm list. Sorry. But that was the. Uh, oh, what were they called? It's Neo Soul. Neo Soul suitcase, suitcase road plugin. Road that's plug-in. right. I, let me see if I can load that up. I can quickly. But yeah, this is a 2.6 gig contact instrument uh, built to substitute the real thing. Uh, you need 4.2.3 to enjoy it. It's got 12 velocity layers, bass and treble boost. It's got, uh, and from what I can gather, sounded actually pretty good. Uh, I think there's a video here of Jamal, who's the guy who built it, who I'm guessing is kind of, he sounds like a pretty good player. Let me see if I can yeah. play a little bit of this. Like a sort of jazz funk 101. <laughs> I think there might be a five string brace, so I'm not sure I'm allowed to play that much of this without the police coming. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know that you're right. You're very, you're very right, Rich. That is, uh, there's something else there uh, that also well, uses that, and I, and the Hollow Sun stuff does, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, Silicon stuff, and uh, a lot of people writing for uh, K4 these days. The script, I'd love to try the scripting because there's an awful lot of scripting possibilities that you can do with it. In fact, I think I, I started to try and do some uh, some racks in Ableton that just taking some waves out of the Jupiter 6. I'm going to mess around with some of those and see if that will make any decent sort of instruments and see if there be anybody interested in downloading that sort of stuff. So I'm going to check that stuff out. But anyway, that was uh, synthmagic.co.uk uh, slash gen.htm. 20 quid and uh, Rich bought it. Is there a good selection of sounds there? I haven't really gone through it. You just got just it this started, morning. <laughs> and just started turning knobs. I just put up whatever came up and just started turning the knobs and doing things with it. I didn't actually look for a preset list. I can't imagine how you actually model a synthesizer so that the knobs will do something based in contact. How the hell do you do that? Do you, do you just crossfade sure. between sample? I know, how does that work? I don't, I don't so, know. Somebody was mentioning in the chat room, though, that they didn't think it sounded like an SX-1000. I, I like I said, I didn't know what that thing was. I just knew that this thing sounded kind of cool for thirty bucks. But also, Kiwi Steve very kindly in the chat room has pointed out MacProVideo.com has a tutorial on native <laughs> native instruments KI scripting. So uh-huh. don't forget SonicState.com forward slash MPV, uh, and then I'll bounce you over, and you can dig it out. And if you buy it, then um, you can get it twenty percent cheaper. In fact, maybe I'll buy it myself, and I'll save twenty percent. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> all right uh right so let's have a look see what else we've got here um there's a couple of uh iphone type uh adaptations first of all we got the irig midi uh which i will just quickly i think i can play a video of that as well Right, well, it's a, a very thrilling uh, musical drop to what is basically a hunk of plastic that just hooks onto the bottom of your iRig, your iPad or iPod or I, iPhone. But actually, what's quite interesting about this is because um, up to now, it's just been the MIDI Mobilizer, the Line 6, which we reviewed, which also came out as a version 2. The IK one, though, has got a through and a 
you can charge the thing when something's plugged in. I mean, I can't believe that nobody's done this before. And people just don't do this as standard in anything that plugs into the bottom of one of these uh, iOS devices. But uh, kind of cool, I think, to have, you know, again, we're using MIDI. Um, and also comes with a sample tank install if you want to slap a gig of samples onto your uh, iOS device. Pretty cool. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell you're just blown away by this gadget. You're speechless. Uh, you've got an, yeah, iPhone, you've got an iPhone 4. I, can you see any MIDI uses for it? Um, yeah. I think that's really cool, actually. So the sample tank thing. And is that, is that fully compatible then with all the sample tank library then? If you, is, or is it just I, a, their I c- selection of stuff? I'm, I'm not I, sure. They say it's a gigabyte library. Oh, yeah, okay. so it must be. I mean, but, that, I mean, how else would you connect the library to your iPad? I mean, think. I about was it. just wondering if there was a way of just exporting individual patches out somehow. But, I'm sure they'll um, probably figure out a way to sell us individual packs and resell that sample tank library once again. Yeah, right. I'm sure they will. <laughs> um, but you know, fair enough. I mean, yeah. uh, Rich, Rich I, is brandishing his. I want to play the entire Sheik set. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, actually, I've got a, uh, a, a. Let me see. I can probably put that. I've got this. Um, this thing. The old. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. That's the. Uh, I've got the Alesis IO dock here, which yeah. I'm running uh, some stuff on. And I'm kind of, you know, we're one step away from the old. Uh, let's see if I can find another more useful sound. And we're one step away from the actual, you know, the Akai uh, key station where you can slot your iPad in. That's what I want. This is actually really cool. There's very little latency. I mean, it doesn't um, doesn't do anything in terms of... Uh, uh, is that Nano Studio? This is Nano Studio here, yeah, on, on here. It just, I'm loving that. It just taps into the... Um, uh, the I/O that's that's present in the dock. It doesn't do any any conversion of its own. By the way, the I/O, the Elisa's I/O dock. But I, pl- I was plugged ah. in a I plugged in a bass guitar and did some garage band kind of you know playing, and the latency was actually pretty good. And I didn't get any of that feedback that you get when you're using just the the uh, combi headphone socket. So I was kind of pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. I know I, I you know I mean I, we get accused of being Apple centric, but I mean you know. If there were this stuff coming out on any other smartphones or any other handheld tablet devices, I'd be there. You know, I mean, I'd want to, I'd want to cover it, but they're just rocking it at the moment, and it's very hard to see how anything else is going to get a look in at this stage. Apparently, the iPad is one of the most successful product premieres in the history of marketing since you know toilet paper or something. I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> Sliced bread. Great invention. <laughs> Or those fancy toilets in Japan. But never mind. Uh, yeah, one of those, I think that's a really good business opportunity in the UK is importing those t- Japanese toilets, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, sorry. I, 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 I'm just, I was just trying. I got a good <laughs> one because I had a Speaking of toilets, it combines toilets and my invention as well, which is uh, I had a, a leaking <laughs> cistern pipe, which I had to fixed somehow and i had to run downstairs to turn the water on and off and every time i turned it on and i hadn't fixed it properly the water would pour down the pipe and all over the floor which is terrible so i think there could be something that you could slip around a pipe like a collar with a kind of tube that comes out so you can point it into a bucket and i think yeah. there's a i think there's an there's a you know just some <laughs> simple plastic thing that you just slip onto a pipe while you're doing that kind of thing or you've got a leaky radiator or something just slip it on there and it drains it away because you can't fit a bowl or anything underneath a pipe i mean it just doesn't kind of work that that's way true. so that's true. my invention 
And I've just <laughs> I've just said about it. So I've done, what a what a fool! I was going to start production as well. Anyway, that's yeah. completely random. <laughs> I plum. Yeah, just need some VC, Rich Lawson. And I'm not sure he was. <laughs> anyway, but um, this is again. You know, I mean, IK IK seem to be on the ascendancy. I know that, you know some people don't like the way they that that they've operated in the past and you know this that and the other but they seem to be really successful and they've they're doing some great stuff for this whole new genre of making music on handheld devices and you know they're really rocking mm. it as far as i'm concerned yeah that's true they, you know with the kind of the guitar oh, what's it called now the guitar thing um amplitude on the ios is pretty amazing actually i was surprised how good it sounded um so they yeah they seem to be devaluing their big expensive, or not devaluing it, but just certainly adopting a new kind of uh, pricing thing. In fact, back to the what we were talking earlier with the App Store, this whole in-app purchase malarkey is really going to be the kind of way things are. You know, um, for instance, I've got an app on my iPhone, which is the TC Helicon Voice Jam, it's called, which is similar to my Voice Lives, the looping part of it. And from within that piece of software, which costs maybe about three three quid or something, uh, you can then do in-app purchases to buy different modules, uh, like uh, like a reverb module you can buy, or like a hard tune, auto tune effect you can buy. You know, at um, I don't know, maybe a couple of quid a shot or something. And um, that's definitely going to be the way things move, isn't it? You know, where you buy the basic host program. And, and you buy, you know, uh, bits as when. I know some games come out like that. You buy the main game and then extra episodes for the game again, uh, in-app purchases. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. kind of the new ringtone subscription, isn't it? Really, is that kind <laughs> yeah. of as people yeah. made a forger? I mean, what? Yeah, that's what I know. I need somebody who's made a synth that I can just easily author sample packs of my classic synthesizers and make some patches so that I can release some some packages for it. Um, but let's think. I mean, there was another thing also, which is the. Uh, the Fostex uh, iPhone add-on, which allow, turns it into a uh, this is so Audio cheesy. interface for iPhone, AR4i by Fostex. This has got to be one of the worst jingles I've ever heard. Hey, hey, hey. I know you got that Fostex. <laughs> All right. <laughs> God. This is a D50 demo, isn't it? <laughs> I can't take any more of that, even though there's more to see. Uh, that is the incredible... I don't know who approved the budget for that thing or came up with the creative, but it's sh- a shocker. But nonetheless, the device itself <laughs> is actually quite nifty. Um, if I switch yeah. to this, so you probably get a better idea of it. If I, uh, it's that, isn't it? I'm just going to oh, find. Yeah. That's it. It's uh, basically a thing that you slide your iPhone into, and it becomes a um, three-channel, I believe, audio recorder, and it mm. combines up with an app, which is a brilliant idea, actually. I mean, I think we're going to see mm. a lot more of this kind of stuff coming along, um, but. 
I mean, and it looks cute, doesn't it? It looks like a little robot. You can put the mics uh, on the uh, top, either uh, on, on on one side. It's got a, a cold shoe mount, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and yeah. again, you know, this is again. I know it's all a bit iPod centric and i centric, but again, this is kind of where things are going. And I saw a really cool uh, idea. Uh, I think it was a Gizmodo competition winners who came up with the idea that basically you create a sensor and a lens holder. And the app is the brains of the camera. So you just buy this thing, you slide your, your smartphone into it, that becomes the OS of the camera. The data is transferred from the sensor onto your camera as the memory. And you've got this amazing, you know, the camera can just be the best optics and the best sensor it could possibly be. They don't have to worry about creating this sort of uh, operating system and all the other stuff. And, and I'm wondering if this is kind of what Fostex mm. are doing here, whether, you know, they're, they're creating like they're all the limiting, all the DSP stuff is maybe happening in the, in the app. I don't know. Anyone uh, care to mm. postulate? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely seems to be going that way, doesn't it? Because, um, you know, I guess the app development, it's, it's a, it, it just totally changes the R and D costs, doesn't it? I mean, um, I, yeah, this one, this one's an interesting looking thing. In fact, since I got my iPhone, I've been looking for something. I've been looking for a, a line in, a stereo line in, because you can't do that, can you? I don't think through the uh, through the regular socket. Um, oh, there are a few of them. I mean, I, I'm, I forget we had one. I can't remember what it was now. Okay, there are a few. Uh, I think line up. six. I think line six makes one. Line six makes uh, one. Um, there are there are is ones. Is that stereo? Available. A stereo line in now? I'm not sure about that. Because sure. I. I, I I wanted to find a way. I've got like a kind of Sony stereo recorder, and I just thought it'd be great if I could take a line out of that and into the into the into the iPhone. But um, but that one, yeah, you can sort of detach the microphones and then attach them for different perspectives if you want to use it sort of as an interview device, etc. But I, I wonder, I, I'm slightly concerned about how. Robust. What the quality of those might exactly, you know, I mean, if this is going to be a pocket device, if these things pop in and out, you know, are they going to, are, you going, to, are they going to be easy to lose? Are they going to break off? Um, I really want to see one in Well, also, I'm, I'm um, thinking you're putting that on a mic stand somewhere at a gig away from you. And um, when you get back, uh, not only is your recorder gone, but your phone's been nicked at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So interesting, though. But I mean, it's, and, and, and that, the AD and DA, is that going on in the Fostex? I believe, yes, I would have thought so. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 um, there was also uh, Kiwi Steve uh, says a battery life might be a pain. Actually, it comes with a couple of, it says two, two, AA, two AA batteries and it's something like 16 hours. It's got a really good life because I'm guessing it's just powering the, the converters. It doesn't have to power a screen or anything like that. So the iPhone is separate from yeah. the recorder part. That's what I understand anyway. But yeah, cool. I know, Rich. Would you? Uh, I don't know if I'd leave my phone um, on a tripod somewhere away from me uh, for recording. How about you? Is it any different than leaving my Zoom H4n? Yeah, it hasn't got all your phone numbers on it. I guess <laughs> the resale value is probably you can more... lock that out. Yes, I understand. Um, I'm not in that big a hurry to turn my iPod into a a digital audio recorder. And what interests me about this is the number of people creating cradle devices, not unlike the one that your iPad is sitting in right there on the screen in front of me, or the one that Fostex has created for this audio recording application. But generally speaking, they've kind of figured out that in order to utilize the port on the bottom of this thing or on the bottom of your iPad, they've got to build a shell around the thing that it's going to, that it's going to sit into so that you can then operate 
that shell, you know, with audio inputs or outputs or plugging microphones into the Fostex. It's kind of funny on their website. They say you can plug third-party mics in. I'm thinking, well, how many of those third-party mics are really going to have these kinds of connectors and, you know, what's going to really be supported in terms of powering the microphones and things like that. But, but uh, in any case, what interests me in general as a product observation is that a lot of people are be- are going to great lengths to create what you know doorstops to the future that are basically cradles that are going to sit around these specific devices and provide you with gazintas and gazadas to do various things audio or or midi and and uh yeah it's interesting and it's fun like i said if i could if i thought i could show up and get the best possible sounds out of this thing and play chic shows from it i yeah sure i'd consider doing it you know i wouldn't keep anything else on there I I dedicate one for that purpose. Well, it, and might, I guess, yeah, it would make sense. And I guess I guess the manufacturers as well are taking quite a gamble as well, aren't they? Because I mean, I I think with like the studio dock there, that you've got an, you've got the iPad one there, have you, Nick? With it, yeah, I have, um, yeah. And then the iPad two comes out significantly thinner. Uh, right, that's yeah, what I'm it, saying. It, well, yeah, but it comes with uh, mine came with a little insert thing that you slide in, so it does you know it does fit. There's an adapter. I've got it somewhere. But, I mean, with that, does that with the adapter, does it? I wonder if it just compromises the product design in some way. Whether it's, you know, I don't know. Just I'm not sure if it does or not. Uh, it may, it may mm-hmm. do, but I think uh, you you slip. Hold on, let's see if I can find it. Well, <laughs> in that same line of thinking, with this Fostex thing, is devi- it's designed for the iPhone four. Is it mm-hmm. going to work with my iPod Touch? Yeah, but you're going to have to shim it somehow to get it to sit properly in the connector, as you've suggested, is it mm-hmm. quite as mechanically secure that way? And then when you get to the iPhone 5, you're going to have to Which buy the thing that's over sausage, again. That's sausage-shaped, isn't it? This thing yeah, is... Yeah, uh, this, this is the adapter. It's just a piece of plastic that has a profile that slots in and locks in, as far as I can tell. And then once uh-huh. that's in there, then your iPad 2 just slides in and out as you wish it. It just it changes the... Pro- but yeah, I think that's probably why it was delayed... Uh, shipping because they had to figure that out and probably you know put it in a load of boxes because a lot mm-hmm. of people got them without that shipping so I'm because I'm lucky mine came with. But then the i the iPad three then what happens? Right, uh, I have absolutely no idea. But yes, your 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 point <laughs> is uh, taken. But well, I mean, if, if yeah. they've sold you know however many billion of these things, it's sort of there's a fairly good market there for it. And that's true. Un- until the next one. Yeah, sure. Like I said, when when the iPhone five comes out, is that Fostex thing going to become a door, you know, a doorstop immediately or a year down the road? Ah, uh, who can say? Who can say? I've just realised what the time is. Good lord, we've seemed to have uh, we seem to have gone right up against the wire, and there were only three of us. How could we possibly fill all that time? It must have been a scintillating show to watch, or at least I certainly hope so. Um, so I think uh, probably going to be a good time to start drawing things to a close just so that I can uh, uh, get out and get home and start organising and do the editing and what have you. But uh, thank you ever so much for everybody joining us. Um, obviously, we've had a nice bumper chat room uh, again this week. So thanks to all you guys from all over the world. The the turbo brain, as we like to call them, you've been uh, fabulously helpful as ever, and uh, we'll have uh, any time you, uh, you like. Just throw a few ideas for titles. I haven't really been focusing on that so much this week, so please do. If you've got any ideas you want to put in for title, just put title, colon, something or other, and we'll, uh, I'll put it in for the show title. So thank you very much. So, guys, um, I, I'm very – oh, what's that? It's a fabulous feather duster. Is that your tickle stick, Gaz? Wow. No, I'm just going to just show everyone that just as – because I'm in my studio – 
that thing is worth its weight in gold in the studio. It's brilliant. It's like a, it's like a kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's MIDI. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it is just brilliant for keeping all the dust out of your gubbins, especially your nobular stuff. Ah. Uh, like, like this. So you could just kind of give it a yes. once over. Very yeah. nice. And it's, sorry, yeah, that's my little tip of the week. My house. Brilliant. My... Household, what is it? A sort of, some sort of cleaning glove. <laughs> yeah. It's very day glow looked, as well. Yeah. I always used to use a paintbrush, but I can never find it when I want it. Do you know what? I think it's that brand name that you see, uh, the one that's um, in motorway service stations with a little video. Ah, it's one of those, yeah, with the, with the mm, guy in the jumper who says, so tell me. Yeah, the, <laughs> excellent. JML, thank you. There we go. Failed Musel in the chat room. JML, there we go. Right. The, the turbo brain yeah. has engaged and came back with it, JML. It's, it's just great, honestly, if you want to get, well, if you bothered about dust anyway. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I, well, not so much of a problem here these days. But anyway, Gaz, thank you very much for that top tip. A JML cleaning glove for <laughs> cleaning your, your, your studio. Thank you very much. Gaz, songsurgeon.co.uk. Um, back, to the, back to the decorating now. Ah, uh, can't you pretend it's been going on for a bit longer? Well, thank you very much for joining us. And also, we say goodbye to Rich Hilton, Hiltonius. Oh, I can't get my, my images mirror here. There we go, Hiltonius on uh, MySpace and Facebook. And uh, you can find him on Google+. Plus. We might try a Google Plus one if uh, Skype start inserting adverts. Rich, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Nick. Always good to talk to you too, guys. So yeah, you too. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I was going to try and find... There was something that I was going to play us out with, but uh, I seem to have lost my uh, <laughs> my bookmark for that. This is, again, by Costio Rappaport. Uh, Rappaport. Uh, he's basically done a rather cool... Just four overdubs of uh, a Korg Monopoly four-track real-time, and I quite enjoyed it. I think it's fitting to, to play us out with, so I'll just get that going and see how it all builds up. So... Once again, thanks to everybody. Uh, That was Sonic Talk number 227. And uh, it's a wrap. So thanks for joining us. And all thanks to our sponsors. Don't forget, sonicstate.com slash MPV for your uh, Mac Pro Video 20% discount. Nice improv there, Rich.